And that's why I jumped into entrepreneurship because I felt like I needed to give my mind something to wrap around because I feared the worst that that I would find my way to drugs or or that I would just somehow slip mentally into a, a deep state of depression. And, and I've watched people become their own worst enemies through cascading bad decisions. Hello and welcome to The Daily Helping with Dr. Richard Schuster. Food for the brain, knowledge from the experts, tools to win at life. I'm your host, Dr. Richard. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, and whatever you do, this is the show that is going to help you become the best version of yourself. Each episode, you will hear from some of the most amazing, talented, and successful people on the planet who followed their passions and strive to help others. Join our movement to get a million people each day to commit acts of kindness for others. Together, we're going to make the world a better place. Are you ready? Because it's time for your Daily Helping. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Daily Helping Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Richard, and I'm really excited to share our guest, Jason Julius, with you today. His story is so powerful, and we're going to get into it in just a minute. So I am intentionally not sharing any of that with you. He has built some really exciting national brands coffee junkies, pizza junkies. He's won businesses of the year award. He has a marketing company that he has taken both of these national with and really has some remarkable, remarkable stories and advice for people who want to scale their small business and connect with people in a meaningful and smart way. Jason, welcome to The Daily Helping. It is awesome to have you here. Dr. Richard, how are you today? I am doing fantastic. Grateful that you are here. Grateful to all of you who have us in your ear right now. And I just want to jump right in, Jason. I, I you know, always talk about people's origin stories. And, you know, there's usually a powerful turn of events that puts people on the path that they're on today. Uh, and yours is is really powerful. So uh, please share with us. And uh, I, I just want to say, before we talk about it, I can't imagine what it would be like to go through what you went through. And I applaud your bravery, uh, as well as how how raw and honest that you get with people about your story. Well, I mean, look, I'm a blue collar guy. I was happy to go to work at Chrysler and work with my hands. And somewhere along the line, I, I wanted to work with my mind. Uh, so I decided I wanted to become a union rep. And I ran for my dream job and I was elected. I won my dream job and I felt like that glass ceiling had been broken. And 30 days into being elected and starting to get my feet under me representing 500 people, my son was diagnosed with cancer and he was a, uh, he's a twin. And, and up until the point uh, of, of the, the event of the cancer, we did not even know what kind of twin. Uh, we did not know paternal or identical. It, it didn't matter to me. Uh, I mean, when, when I had Marsha at my grandmother's kitchen table, I put my hand on her stomach when she wasn't even showing and said, God willing, twin boys. I mean, when I saw that ultrasound of two heads butted together, I was like, just tell me they're boys. And, and I did not didn't care, didn't think about whether they were identical or paternal, but, um, but we found out through, through the necessary testing, 
um, that, that they were in fact identical. It was a, basically it was a three-year battle, uh, a couple relapses and, uh, and a stem cell transplant to which we, we at, in the moment we thought, okay, well, there's a blessing here, um, that we, he did have a twin because we were able to take stem cells from his brother in hindsight. Uh, we looked back and the and Connor's cells did not recognize the cancer to fight it. So when we gave him his brother's stem cells as kind of a, a reboot of your system, well, them being identical twins, his his brother didn't recognize those same cells to to attack and fight them. Um, so they did not fight them off any better than, than than what Connor was trying to to battle internally himself. And uh, and I mean, the long story short on that end of it is that I, he was diagnosed 30 days after I got elected and uh, and he passed 30 days before reelection. And I, I had a lot of people that questioned, like, should I be a union rep as I was going through that? And I was like, well. I asked for that responsibility. I'm very big about living up to my responsibilities. So it was a figuring out how to do both, how to, how to do my job to the best of my ability and still provide for the family while we were going through, through all of that. And I, I mean, I do look at that as a blessing just in that. I mean, th they build the insurance for a million and a half dollars. I, I, so I was very grateful and fortunate uh, that I worked at Chrysler and I had very good insurance because um, we got all of the necessary care, but like I've tried to explain to people, when I went into entrepreneurship, I thought, well, I represented 500 people while my child was sick with cancer. Surely this is the hardest thing I will ever do in my life. I, I, I can do entrepreneurship. I didn't know what I was getting into, but I knew what I had just survived. Uh, and I found out that entrepreneurship was way harder because when you're going through a situation like that, you're dealing with medical professionals and they're telling you what they're going to do. And you just sign off on release forms and you endure what they're telling you that you're going to do or what the best move is. Uh, and that is completely opposite from entrepreneurship because I mean, the buck stops at you. You have to, you're not just enduring somebody else's decisions or situation you are making decisions yourself and then having to suffer the consequences or enduring the consequences of your own decisions in entrepreneurship. And that was the, that was the major revelation of, oh, well, what I've gotten myself into uh, is not, it's not the same thing. It's not an apples to apples comparison. And I really thought that what I had been able to, uh, to mentally and physically weather would be the hardest thing that I'd ever do in my life. And, uh, and I went from the frying pan into the fire because uh, because entrepreneurship is just a, a a way different game. Was was Connor's passing the passing of your son in some way? Did that did that push you into entrepreneurship? Did the fact that dealing with these medical professionals who essentially you know you're like you said you're you're powerless? You just they tell you we're going to you know do radiation. You're like okay. Um, did having some of that control, did that push you into entrepreneurship? Um, I mean, in, in the, in the weird twisted way that, that, that is what plays into a lot of my why, but 
when you go from, like I said, I had no problem. I mean, I was a proud blue collar worker, but mass manufacturing is you're doing a job repetitively 500,000, 2000 times a day. And then I went to three years of literally using my brain, having to represent 500 people. Well, when I lost my election, I went back to the floor and all of that um, mental stimulation was stripped from me. So I found myself just sinking deeper and deeper into depression. And that's why I jumped into entrepreneurship, because I felt like I needed to give my mind something to wrap around because I feared the worst that that I would find my way to drugs or or that I would just somehow slip mentally into a, a deep state of depression. And and I've watched people become their own worst enemies through cascading bad decisions. Uh, and, and I feared that because I because of that depression that that I wasn't that I didn't have something for my mind to wrap around. And I knew that that entrepreneurship and starting a business was a big deal, that uh, that that there were many hats to wear. So I knew that it would give my brain something to latch on to. Uh, and that's why I said I didn't it wasn't a build it and they will come. It was a I'm going to build this because I know that there's enough complexity there that it'll give my brain something to in a positive way to chew on uh, and not just sit there and, and slip because because I still had a wife and his brother and a daughter that were responsibilities. And, and if, if you lose your mind, you lose your ability to be productive and, and contribute to society as a whole. And that was, uh, it's always been a big deal to me to get out and, and earn and be, and, and do be a, be a positive influence in my circles and in my world. And, and as I was walking into that plant, I would click that gate and it was like walking into a haze of depression because I didn't have anything that was mentally stimulating me and keeping me going daily. And you, your pizza and your coffee uh, franchises are, are national brands now. Did you have any idea? I mean, I, I know that, you know, this as we've talked about this. These businesses were clearly ended up being a lifeline for you. Um, to save you from that depression you talked about, save you from potentially going down a really dark path. But did you have any idea that they they would scale to where they are today? Well, and I mean, I want to be clear that that's because mentally I am, I mean, mentally the, the, the business, the day that I started the business, I knew that I was going to develop it into national brands. Um, but it has been 17 years in the making to get to a point where we are now actually offering those franchise opportunities. That's what I have been getting us to that point of, of bringing everything in my mind to fruition. And that's what I've been actively working on over the last year. It's honestly, we're a couple of years behind, but that was because of what happened in 2020, where everybody just kind of braced for impact and to make sure that we were actually going to survive. Uh, but in my brain, the brands have been national brands in the making since the day that I started them. And all of my decision making was always with the intent of I'm not building something mom and pop that that I'm building something that will have the ability to grow and scale. Uh, and, and that's that's the doorstep that I'm at right now is, is bringing all of that to fruition. Hey, guys. Dr. Richard here. For the past seven years, I've been privileged to bring you incredible guests who are changing the world and can help you become the best version of yourself. 
I'm really excited to share with you a new quiz that I created based on my clinical training that will curate for you a custom list of my top episodes and actionable strategies to help you wherever you are on your journey. All you need to do is go to drrichardschuster.com to take it, and it's 100% free. You'll be taking the next step on the journey to unlocking the power of you, and I can't wait to see where you'll go. And, you know, to be fair, I think everybody who has a business over the last two years has more or less done the same thing you did. It's like, how do we pivot so that when this pandemic is over, we're still here and the doors can be open. It's it's interesting. You mentioned that you always had the vision that this would scale to the degree you had. And some people might, you know. Here, oh, Jason Julius, overnight success. Your 17-year-old overnight success, like so many of the entrepreneurs that I've had on the show. But I, I wonder if you could speak to, so if, to the audience, for the person listening to this that might be saying, you know what, I, I've kind of discovered some things about myself during this pandemic, and I'm not really fulfilled for my job. And maybe starting a business is something that I should do. What are some of the things that you did early on that helped you transition? from employee to entrepreneur and and really begin to have success in that? Uh, well, I, I mean, I want to say that a lot of that comes from my personal background, that, um, that accountability and being personally responsible and holding myself personally, personally accountable for my, for my actions, uh, that is something that I don't want to say it's come naturally. It's just something that I was very much, it was instilled in me. So combining that personal responsibility and the desire of, I, I refuse to be a victim. I, when my son died, I was a, my brain quickly wrapped around and said, you know what? There are children that lose their entire families in the blink of an eye. So me losing a child is not a reason for me just to stop in life. And, and that was how I mentally overcame and moved forward by reminding myself that there are other people that experience far worse. And this is, this is not a reason or an excuse to fail or just fold and give up in life. But a lot of, like I was terrible at school uh, and I was, and one of my worst was English. I, like I didn't see a need in the reading curriculum that they were assigning. But I am also very fortunate that early on in my, let's say my twenties, I found and read the right books. Uh, and, and I laugh about it now because I go back and read some of those books. And as I'm reading them, I'm realizing just how much of an impact they had on my life. And a lot of it could have only been that I was reading them early on and they really took hold. And, and I've long said, I mean, if you are actively reading, you're not possibly going to remember every last little piece of what you read. But if you look at it like it is laying code in your brain and, and just depending that your brain has read all of that and it will recall it and subliminally it will have the desired impact by always being seek, seeking knowledge, seeking information, seeking answers. And I look through my struggles in my entrepreneurial journey and I can pretty, pretty well correlate it to uh, times that I stopped reading, that I stopped seeking information. I would struggle. And, and I've long said that when it comes to entrepreneurship, it's like, it's a video game. 
you are you're on a level and you don't get to the next level until you show that you have learned and you have beaten that level and then it allows you to go to the next level and i for many years i'm i was stuck on levels and i look back and i'm like okay well i quit seeking information and and likely that's why i was stuck on that level because I was getting stuck in the moment. I wasn't learning and growing to keep myself pushing uh, in my own mental development as I was developing the business. And I suffered the consequences of a, of, of a, of a cycle of pain in business that I look back and I kick myself because it probably wasn't necessary because the more information I seek out, the more books that I read, the, the faster my development accelerates. No one has ever made the analogy of business growth to mastering a video game level and i absolutely love it and i may steal it from time to time so <laughs> that's great uh can i put you on the spot give me your your mount rushmore of business and or personal development books would just be curious to know this uh i mean you know what the think and grow rich is just a, a major um but i was patrick bet david's your next five moves ray dalio's principles and and I love the principles book because it reads a lot better than the e-myth. But if anybody is in business like Staple, you, you've got to read the e-myth. Another book that I absolutely fell in love with is called Radical Candor, uh, because when you have to, if you're going to scale or build a business, you have to scale and build a team. And, and I'm really big about feedback and personal accountability and not letting things slide under the rug. And uh, as a personal joy to read, my daughter bought this for me. And I was like, this should be required reading for anybody under 35. Uh, Mark Manson's book, uh, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's, uh, I, I really like, if you're under 35, this should be required reading for the, the realities. Because I said that, I mean, the system sucks, work it anyway. Life is not fair. I mean, at the end, you have to just accept life is not fair. That is that is not a reason to not live it. <laughs> I love that. No, the great recommendations. And I I know you I want to transition us and we'll, we're going to put those in the show notes if anyone missed them. But one of the things I think you also did it was very interesting is that again, be, you know, beginning with the end in mind, a little Stephen Covey action here is that knowing that you wanted to turn your brands national. You went ahead and you acquired a marketing company so that you could have that all in-house. So for those who are on board, like, the, you know, they're like, yep, I, I'm hearing what you're saying, Jason, check. I'm going to do, I, I think I'm going to start a business, check. Marketing, marketing is a big deal. How would you go from marketing and establishing brand presence? Because it has never been easier in this age of cell phones and everything else to put information out there, but it has never been harder to get people to notice you. You are 100% correct. I mean, because the, I mean, you, the, when you have the intended and the unintended consequences that come with the internet, I mean, the beautiful thing is, is that you can reach anybody anywhere, but everybody can reach anybody anywhere. So you do have a whole lot of noise out there and you do have to learn the intricacies of, of, of what they call hooks. I mean, it, you have to hook people's attention before you can get them to pay attention to you or deliver any kind of message in general. But I go back to just like everything in my life has been about service. 
So when I developed my business, I didn't think about selling them a product. I was like, I'm serving people. Uh, and then you get the, the, the chicken and the egg where everybody's like, well, sales. Yeah. But, but if you don't have people to sell to, then what's the importance of sales sales and service came naturally to me. It was marketing to actually drive traffic, to have people to either serve or sell to. So I just really, I started doing a deep dive into marketing and, and books on marketing and, and being a consummate tester. And I've said several times that by being, because there's a difference between marketing and advertising and as I had people that were helping me learn marketing and branding, I was willing to say yes to any kind of advertising out there. Uh, and I almost destroyed my business a couple of times because I didn't learn how to say no to all of the different ways that you can actually advertise. But with the advent of the internet uh, and the abilities of social media to actually put products out there, to put messages out there, that was when I really started hitting my stride when it comes to social media. And like when we develop coffee junkies, it, it's hard to describe what's in this cup. It's because the cup always looks the same. It's the different flavors of the liquid. But when it comes to pizza, people eat with their eyes. So I can dream up a pizza and take a picture of it, put it out there on the internet. And it's, I mean, I don't even really have to put a whole lot of copy with it. They see it and it's, you're eating with your eyes and it's beautiful. But uh, the bigger point that, that you'd alluded to as far as the marketing company was that I built the brands myself and uh, I leaned heavily into social media and Facebook. And when it came time to actually look at franchising, I realized that there are good and bad to social media. And I've watched some people that actually kill their businesses because they weren't very conscious of social media. And when I thought about franchisees, it was a, okay, I have gotten very proficient at this and I know what the message is and I know what I want to put out there. So in franchising, you need to contribute to a, a national ad campaign. And I wanted control of that national ad campaign. I did not want to turn that over to another marketing company that didn't have intimate knowledge of the brands and the backgrounds and where they came from. So I set out to buy a marketing company so that I could actually control that national ad campaign. And I knew that as we developed that I take great pleasure in the marketing and the strategizing and dreaming up the ideas. And this just gives me the ability to, to still have to leave my mark on the brands as we are growing and scaling in general, because now we're all contributing where from remotely, you can develop all kinds of content and be able to uh, to push it out into whatever market you're uh, you're opening up in. You mentioned, and, and I think this is an important point. There's pitfalls and there's good in social media, right? Like it it has pros and cons, and you, you this was the piece that really stuck out that you've seen people destroy their businesses using social media the wrong way. So tell us the do's and the don'ts based on your experience you know, building two national brands and running a national marketing campaigns. So what are the do's and the don'ts as it relates to social media? I, I mean, I, I'm going to be honest and I'm just going to come back to common sense. Like 
if you think about doing something and your brain can automatically quickly come up with a, oh, this could be perceived this way, don't do it. <laughs> like there, there are so many things that you can do when it comes to advertising and marketing. You're going to come up with a thousand ideas. And when you look at that idea, you have to think, how is it going to be received today? And there, I mean, there's an archive out there that, that it's always going to be out there. And obviously we found out over the last couple of years that some people are destroying their own personal brands because of content that was out there two, four, six, eight years ago. Mm -hmm. And you legitimately have to think about the fact that what you put out there is, is going to stand the test of time. I mean, I, I can laugh and say, I'm glad that I was a kid that grew up in a time where not everything was recorded. <laughs> like, there's no record of it in that way. But today there is record of everything. So it very much is a like, hey, use your brain, common sense. It, if it once you produce something, it, it, that does not mean that you have to post it and put it out there. And there's nothing wrong with running it by a couple people to say, how is this received by you? to get that input before you actually go putting it out into the public. One of the reasons you do what you do is because you don't just see yourself at, you don't just see yourself as a business, Jason, you see yourself as a vehicle to help other people. And so that's been a common theme with many of the, many of the guests I've had on my show at different levels as they recognize, you know, if we're in service of others, uh, you know, the business kind of grows not on its own, but there, there's an organic energy around that. So if somebody is trying to figure out what that business should be with through the, with this lens, with this focus of helping people, what's your advice? What are some of the things that you used early on how to kind of position things in a way to where it can be a business that's viewed through this lens of helping people first and profit second? Well, and I, a lot of that comes natural, but it's just a, a lot of the reason that I personally wanted to get out there and actually start speaking is because I wanted to hear, I wanted the real story to be told because I think that there's too much glamorization and there's not enough truth telling about the, the finer points or the realities of entrepreneurship in general. Um, and I think... It's like, I don't fault it. I'm like, profit is a good thing. Um, we, you have to do something for profit because it is so hard that if you're not seeking profit, it's like, it's really hard to justify taking on all of the responsibility, dealing with all of the employees and all of their, how they're all, all of the emotions have to work with each other, dealing with all of the government entities and the, when you're competing against big business, the deck is truly, truly stacked against you. Uh, so when you take all of that into account, it's like, okay, you have to do it in search of profit. But if that is your sole reason, 99 out of 100 fail. So you have to look at that odd stacked against you and say, what's going to carry you through? Well, if your passion and, and your, your, your motivation is only the almighty dollar, it's not, that's not strong enough. That's not a strong enough why to carry you through the hard times that will come uh, as you're developing and growing a business. Uh, because, I mean, money is a powerful motivator, but I'm just here to tell you, it is not 
enough of a powerful motivator when when you're dealing in the thick of the hardest parts of it. So if you don't have a passion for serving and helping people, if you don't have a deep passion for the product or whatever it is that you're doing, okay, there are many times it's no, it's like you're looking through that tunnel. And if you can see a pin dot at the other side, okay, it's like you see light at the end of that tunnel. But in an entrepreneurial journey, that dot just stays a dot for a long time. And it's not light. It's just a dot. And you have to have something that carries you through because, I mean, I'm 17 years in. It took me like legitimately 11, 12 years before I finally got to the point where I was like, that is in fact light. It's not a, just a dot. And, and, and honestly, I, where people talk about it, but my why, um, failure was not an option for me. Uh, my son was the catalyst for me starting my business. Um, if my business failed, then that means that I would have failed all over again. And because my everything in my business is represented by my son, um, that means my my child would have died a second time. I couldn't like that's I, I couldn't mentally accept that. So every day that I had to get up where it would feel like even that day I was taking three steps backwards, quitting was never an option. It was never a thought because I was uh, afraid of what that would do to me mentally. And and yeah, I'm not going to deny I've had delusions of grandeur in the private jets and uh, having all the money. Um, but that's been like pie in the sky dream stuff. My my daily get up motivator is that like this represents my child and it's my responsibility. And I know that if I'm in control of the situation or or that fallacy of control that we all tell ourselves that we have, um, that. I would have a different result. And, and I only believe that my different result is because the why was so strong, because I refused to even consider the definition of quit. And money is not a powerful enough motivator to, to have that kind of, uh, of diligence that, that I'm not even going to attempt to understand the definition of quit. So well said and so powerful. Jason, you've shared some really cool stuff with us today, some very powerful stuff. And again, you know, this was a journey of 17 years, but you're doing phenomenal things in the world. I wish we had more time to talk, but as you know, I wrap up every show by asking the guest just this one question. Jason, what is your biggest helping, the single most important piece of information you'd like somebody to walk away with after hearing our conversation today? If I had one thing, that I wish that I would have done earlier on, it was pay more attention to the moment. Like we all do monotonous things in life. So you gloss over them and you just do it and you get it done. But I've looked back on my life and every different stage of my life was applicable to where I am today. And I wish that I had paid more attention in the moment. Like I said, even doing the things that you didn't want to do or you didn't find overly fulfilling, enjoyable, uh, the, there's lessons to be learned. And the only way that you learn those lessons is if you are highly conscious of how and what you're doing in the moment in general. Uh, and then I will kind of 
top that off by saying, don't be afraid to pay for specific information because that was a, a mental hump that I had to get over is people are like, well, why don't they just give it to me for free? Well, no, honestly, if you get free information, you do very little with it. Getting over the hump and being willing to pay for very specific information, it puts a, an extra value there. And generally what you pay for, there's a higher value of knowledge inside of that information. And the more conscious I am about every day and uh, the better information that I seek every day, the better questions I'm able to ask, uh, the quicker that I'm able to learn and grow. So well said. Jason, tell us where people can find you online. Generally speaking, uh, at Jason Julius, and that is uh, Jason with two A's, J-A-S-A-N-J-U-L-I-U-S. Uh, I've got plenty of, uh, of, of online platforms, and then my, uh, my YouTube is uh, Double J TV. But uh, yeah, you can find me virtually uh, on all the platforms out there. And then obviously that leads to, uh, to Coffee Junkies and Pizza Junkies itself. Outstanding. And we'll have the links to everything, Jason Julius, and the show notes at thedailyhelping.com. Well, Jason, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for sharing your story with us. And thank you for sharing your insight and wisdom on entrepreneurship. Dr. Richard, thank you. Thank you very much. I, I, so I very much appreciate the opportunity to come on and talk with you. Absolutely. And for each and every one of you who took time out of your day to listen to this, I appreciate you too and want to thank you. If you love what you heard, go give us a follow on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review if you can, because that is what helps other people find the show. But most importantly, go out there today and do something nice for somebody else, even if you don't know who they are, and post in your social media feeds using the hashtag my daily helping because the happiest people are those that help others.